Welcome in, friend. This is 500 Seconds to Joy, and I'm your host, Stephanie. This is a podcast for the busy mom who needs a little extra joy in her day. I will chat with you for just a few minutes and share some encouraging words and biblical truth. I also have fabulous guests who are sure to inspire you and remind you that you matter and you were created for a divine purpose. Get ready to be encouraged, lovely friend, and soak in the words to the song you're about to hear. It was composed by Crystal and Bobby from Flow Up May it speak to your sweet mama heart. Enjoy. to take a breath now, a sweet moment for you. And it's time to acknowledge all the things that you do. Oh, mama, don't you worry about the girls and the boys. It's time to take a break with 500 seconds to join. Welcome to 500 Seconds to Joy, friend. I'm so glad you're joining me. If you're joining me in real time and listening to this bonus episode as it goes live, This is an interesting time in our world dealing with coronavirus and the real fear and worry that we have going on. Let's give all our fears to God and listen in as I talk to Amy Myrot. She is a wedding photographer and she just has a beautiful story all about her own adoption and just her positive outlook and the hope she provides. I know you're going to love hearing her story in part one of our conversation. So enjoy, friends. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? Doing as well as I think anyone can be right now. <laughs> yes. We're recording this during um, just all the craziness with coronavirus. And so everybody's inside and I'm grateful that we're able to take some time out from our busy mom life to chat. Um, and so everybody, this is Amy Myrot. And she is a wedding photographer, and I'm really excited for what we're going to talk about today about adoption. Um, We connected on Instagram, and yeah, I'm just glad this is happening. So could you start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your family and your photography business? Sure. So um, my name is Amy Myrot. I have been a wedding photographer for over 10 years now. Um, it's, it's a pretty amazing job. I get to be this person who freezes moments in time and just preserve those relationships for my couples, which is what I'm really passionate about, like more so than the picture I'm taking, like just freezing that moment and that smile and relationship. That's just something that I just absolutely adore doing. Um, and because of that, you know, it, mainly my job is on Saturdays and then I have editing hours during the week, but it allows me to work from home and homeschool, um, my two little girls, um, while my husband and I, um, both work for the same company. So our company's grown quite a bit in the last 10 years. And so we're, we're often pretty busy with that. So especially during wedding season. Mm-hmm. Nice. Great. I'm so excited to talk with another photographer. Um, what's funny is what my first interview ever was with an Amy, who's also a photographer, not a wedding photographer, but um, more so like family photographer and portraits and things like that. So anyway, it's just funny that I'm getting to connect with another photographer named Amy, um, which is just cool. Um, so today we're going to talk about 
your adoption story and specifically how you found this inner joy and peace amidst life's hardships. I know you've been through a lot in your life, um, and yet you still are focused on finding that joy in everyday living, which I really connect with. Um, And so could you just start by sharing a little bit about your own adoption story? Sure. So um, I was adopted at birth. And what that meant back in the 1980s is that um, I was adopted. My parents knew that they were going to adopt me, but because of the legal proceedings, I actually had to spend three months in foster care before they could even see me or anything. So they actually didn't get to see me until December 19th, which is um, the day my adoption was finalized. And so um, had that still been a law or rule right now, I would be the biggest advocate for fighting it just because I really feel like, you know, it's so important for little babies to get to go home with the people who are going to be their parents as soon as possible and just get loved on really quickly. Um, But I did have a great foster mom um, who I've I've never met, but she wrote these amazing letters um, about me to my parents who adopted me, just telling them everything about, you know, my schedule, what I liked, what I didn't like. And so I really appreciate how much I was cared for at that time. I love seeing my friends that are fostering just because I know what a difference they're making. Uh, So my adoption was a closed adoption, um, but it was one of those that you kind of hear about in the movies where they pick a file, but they actually like know who they're picking. Um, So what had happened was my biological mother had come to stay with her aunt that lived in St. Louis while she was pregnant and um, she knew who my mom was through a friend of a friend. And so they, you know, my mom was a hairstylist and she had often, you know how it is in the salon where they sit and talk, you know, back and forth and, Mm -hmm. you know, tell what's going on in each other's lives. And so my mom had been on this like IVF journey that had failed and then they were vocal to, you know, her clients that they wanted to adopt. And so word kind of trickled down. And when someone was coming to St. Louis to have a baby, they were giving up for adoption. She just wanted to make sure that the baby was going to a good home. And so my parents shared where their uh, file was and she happened to just pick it. So my whole life, we've had a connection through this friend of a friend to my biological mother, but I never took advantage of it at all until my husband and I got engaged. And then I said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and invite Laura, Laura's my biological mother's name, um, to our wedding. And so I wrote her this letter and um, the letter basically said, you owe me nothing. You owe me absolutely nothing. I appreciate that you gave me life. You had the option not to. And I just, you absolutely owe me nothing. You've given me everything already. Um, But I'd love to have you come to the wedding if you would like to. And then I went on to say, if you don't want to come, I would love to have these three things from you. I would love to have a picture of you because I wanted to know who I looked like. I had no idea before. And I wanted to know my health history because I knew, you know, I wanted to have kids. I wanted to know what to expect um, health-wise. And then I also wanted to know my biological father's name because I had never been told that before. 
And so she gave me the first two items. She gave me the teeny tiniest little, you know, like the tiny school pictures that you give extended family. Mm-hmm. She gave me like the teeny tiny picture of her. Um, and so it's just the smallest little thing, but she did. She gave me a picture. She gave me my health history. And then she completely ignored the fact that I had asked for my dad's name. And she pretty much said, I don't want a relationship at this time. Um, I'm not prepared to have one. I'm all but begging you not to show up on my doorstep, which I would never do. I know that's another thing that people see in the movies all the time, but that's just not, to me, that's just so disrespectful, you know, to a person who gave you life when they didn't have to. Um, And I don't know what the circumstances were, like what made her make that decision. She, She said it wasn't a noble one. So she very well just may have been, outside the bracket of being able to have an abortion. Um, I don't know. So that, that's all just speculation. Um, but for whatever reason, she had decided she didn't want a relationship with me. And that was okay with me. You know, I was, I was prepared for that. And I already had a mother and a father. It wasn't like I needed her to be my mom. So, um, so I kind of just dropped the whole dad thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give her about 10 years and then maybe I'll write another letter and see if she'll give me his name. But I had kind of prepared for the worst with him. Um, and I had prepared for the worst with her as well. But, you know, with a mother, I, I just expected him to be the most heinous of all things. You know, it was like she very well could have been, you know, a subject of rape. She could have, you know, not told him, like, who knows, but I just kind of prepared for him to be kind of the most vile of all beings out there. Just, I think, as like a defense mechanism for myself. You know, I wasn't missing anything because I had just made him out to be not so great, you know, Um, and I don't know if that's a common thing among adopted kids or not. So, um, gosh, I mean, I think that for me in that sense, like, I just had to um, really not have any expectations out of people. You know, I had my parents, my adopted parents, and that's all I needed. I didn't need more than that. So um, she still, to this day, does not want a relationship. However, the whole twist of events, um, DNA testing became popular. And so um, I had put it off for a bit because I knew good and well as soon as I took that test, I would probably find my biological dad. And I was in the process of having kids at that point. And, you know, I did two little ones. And I was just, when I was pregnant with my second is when my sister-in-law bought me the test for my birthday. And she was like, take the DNA test finally, please. And so I took it and immediately I had a close family relative pop up that had a last name that I knew wasn't affiliated with my biological mother and so I just refused to message her. I didn't want to be the one to reach out and start any problems with anyone. So um, I kept checking in, and she, her last login was actually the day before my birthday, my birthday where I took the test. Um, and then she didn't log in for months. And so fast forward, my birthday's in September. Fast forward to January, I logged in for the last time because I was having my second little girl and so I had Myla and then you know how it is being a new mother you don't check your email 
um, mm. hardly at all. And so mm -hmm. I stopped checking my email, especially my spam email, which is what was connected to the um, DNA testing. And I didn't know, but I was missing letters from my biological aunt saying like, who are you? How are you connected? So she's a, an investigative person. And so she started doing her own research and realized rather quickly that I was more than a cousin. Um, and she had a couple of brothers. And so she kind of called each of them and was like, all right, 1985, who were you all dating? Because someone has the baby. And so um, I'm laying on the couch a couple months later with my, uh, a couple weeks later, I should say, with my eight-week-old daughter. And um, all of a sudden, I get a message on Facebook and, you know, like the the other folder with people who you don't really know. But I have to check that all the time because being a wedding photographer, I get messages from people often that I don't know. And so I have to look into that, see if they're going to be a client. And I kind of got frozen in my tracks because basically he said, you know, I'm so sorry to contact you this way, but I believe that I'm your biological father. And so I, I had wow. to yell for my husband. I was like, Andrew, come take the baby. My dad just messaged me and he was like, what are you talking about? So, um, which, you know, up until that point, my dad had been my adopted father. Um, that was the only person I'd ever called my dad. And um, he unfortunately passed away when I was 16 and he was one of my best friends. You know, him, I was a daddy's girl through and through. And so, um, when he died, it was really hard on me, but the love that he gave me in the 16 years that I had him, I knew good and well was more than most people had in a lifetime. So I was just thankful for that. And so um, when I got this message, the first thing I did, you know, was look at his Facebook profile and he just had the cutest picture up with his wife and kids. And like, there were five kids in the photo. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I have five siblings that I didn't know about. Um, and so that was a pretty amazing process. So, um, he, he pretty quickly, I think within a week, he flew in with his wife, um, to come meet me. And then a couple weeks later, I went to see him and my siblings and meet them for the first time. So I have three half siblings and two step siblings between, you know, him and his wife. So um, that was just a huge blessing on its own. Um, it, it was just crazy. And so one of my little brothers is actually a month older than my oldest daughter. So we, my dad and I were essentially having kids at the same time. We were in the hospital delivering babies within a month of each other, which is kind of wild. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, so it was um, – it was definitely something that, you know, God had to carry me through the whole process on, you know, when my, and I think I was preparing for it when, when my dad died, my adopted dad, um, because I had to, I don't know how people survive losing a parent without God. I really just, I don't, because when he died, I had this peace in me and I could grieve, but with hope. And the hope was that, you know, I would see him again. I knew that, you know, um, things would be okay. I knew he was in heaven and, you know, I was in church the very next day, able to praise God 
knowing that my dad was dancing on the golden streets and I can only imagine came out right at that time, you know, oh, that was wow. like one of the popular yes. songs. And so we, mm-hmm. oh, it was just amazing. So we played that at his funeral and it was just, I had this peace because I knew I would see him again. And I knew we had this great relationship that I could carry with me my entire life. So as horrible as it was um, losing him, I just felt so blessed by the time that we had together. Um, So then when my biological dad found me, I wasn't prepared for him to be a good person, if that makes sense, because, you know, I had built him up to be probably bad for so long as like that defense mechanism of like, all right, he he probably was just like this evil guy, you know, whatever. But I hadn't prepared for him to be the stand up person that he was. He's a doctor. He's happily married. He's a great dad. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for that. And then, you know, I was like, what do I even call him? And his wife was like, call him dad. He'd like to be called dad. And that actually like made me take a step back for a day or two. You know, I had to really process calling someone else that name. To me, it's such an honor to be called mom or dad. And so calling someone else that name when I had such a wonderful father for 16 years it almost felt like a betrayal for a couple of days. And I think it was just like a solid 24 hour period where I was just like, I don't want to call anybody else dad. And then I realized that my adopted dad wouldn't have wanted that. You know, um, my biological dad had no choice. He didn't know about me. He was actually lied to about me. Um, so there, he didn't choose to not be my father. And so I think that my adopted dad would want me to give him the chance to be that. And so um, I still like, you know, a couple years later, I'm still forcing myself to use the name dad when I'm talking to him. And we just kind of laugh about it because I'll say dad and like, he won't recognize my voice being a voice to call him dad. And it takes him a minute to answer. So we just kind of laugh at it. But um, we've had a really good relationship. We've gone on a lot of vacations together. We've gone to a lot of family reunion things. I've gone and visited just on random weekends. And it's just one of those things where you you can't have expectations because when expectations aren't met is when disappointment comes in. And so if you just don't expect things out of people, then you're kind of surprised by the good and you're like happy to accept the good. And so um, I think this is just like territory that there's no handbook on. And so you just can't expect people to be a certain way or jump into this fatherly, I'm going to give you all the advice in the world um, role. You know, it's, uh, it's a, a tricky thing to navigate. That's an incredible story. That is honestly like a movie. I mean, it's just... Yeah unbelievable and what a blessing that he's this wonderful person that you're now getting to have a relationship with I mean I think not everybody gets that and that I love something I wrote down was that you are grateful um, your gratitude you were saying you're thankful you know for many different things that sound hard you know after you're dad passed and you were grateful that you could, you know, listen to the song I can only imagine and imagine him in heaven. I mean, your gratitude really comes through. And I think that is one of the keys to finding joy and peace in life 
is just really recognizing all the good that God has given us, um, no matter how hard our circumstances are. And you've lived through some hard circumstances. That's it for part one, friends. Listen to part two if you had some time. It's so good. Bye for now.